Now, we can look at that in a number of ways. Our Lord was sent to all people in the sense of being a Savior to all nations. It does not say Jews. He was not just a Savior for the Jews, a Savior for all people of all races, nationalities, colors, creeds. Praise God, the gospel church is an international church. It is a united church of all the sons of Adam who will put their trust in the second Adam. Welcome to Let the Bible Speak. This is Ian Golliher for the Free Presbyterian Church. Today our message is the faith of the shepherds. As they heard the message of the newborn child, they decided they would go and worship him. So we'll be singing today, King of Glory and Joy to the World. But we begin with a little introduction to James Grant, the hymn writer, from our book, Sing Aloud in Jesus' Name. O Zion afflicted with wave upon wave, whom no man can comfort, whom no man can save, with darkness surrounded by terrors dismayed, in toiling and rowing thy strength is decayed. Loud roaring the billows now high overwhelm, but skillful's the pilot who sits at the helm. His wisdom conduct thee, his power thee defends. In safety and quiet, thy warfare he ends. O fearful, O faithless, in mercy he cries, My promise, my truth, are thy light in thine eyes. Still, still I am with thee, my promise shall stand. Through tempest and tossing, I'll bring thee to land. It may seem strange, a book of hymns coming from 18th century Scotland, where nothing but the Psalms were sung. But James Grant, original hymns and poems are marked, even on this title page, as written by a private Christian for his own use and published at the earnest desire of friends. With some of the hymn writers, nothing striking or unusual took place in their lives. So it was even with the eminent Dr. Watts, and so it was with James Grant. James Grant is not to be confused with another hymn writer, Sir Robert Grant, author of the popular O Worship the King, All Glories Above. Sir Robert was a barrister who later became a member of Parliament and then Governor of Bombay. By an unusual coincidence, James Grant, like at least two other hymn writers, was an ironmonger. Living in Edinburgh, he was a member of the Tolbooth Church, and sought to live quietly and unobtrusively. But his upright life and acts of Christian kindness were not unnoticed, and he became a magistrate in the city. Indeed, he could have had the highest honor that the Lord of Provost, but he constantly declined, as it was necessary for the Lord Provost regularly to attend one of the city churches, where the gospel was not fully and clearly preached. Indeed, because of his office in the city, he was expected at times to attend or be fined. But for conscience' sake, he gladly paid the fine. Nothing seems to be recorded of the spiritual experience of this excellent man, but he was a great friend of the Orphan Hospital in Edinburgh, in which George Whitfield had shown much interest. To this he gave the prophets arising from the sale of his hymns. Having a musical ear, James Grant loved the old Scottish melodies, some of which are really beautiful. However, he did not feel the same about some of the words. 
hearing a servant girl singing Aloha House, he the idea came of fitting a hymn to the tune. So he composed a hymn called The Pilgrim Encouraged. One of his hymns was first published in Whitfield's Christian History. Why was I unbelieving I, trembling so afraid to die? Daniel Sedgwick republished Grant's volume of hymns with a short biographical sketch in 1862. Undoubtedly, Grant's best hymn and best-known hymn is O Zion Afflicted. Though it cannot now be said, as Daniel Sedgwick said then, it is to be found in almost all collections of sacred poetry. O Zion Afflicted was composed to fit the tune of the yellow-haired laddie. What a blessing it has been to many, especially the verse, Forget thee I will not, I cannot thy name, engraved on my heart does forever remain. The palms of my hands, while I look on, I see the wounds I received when suffering for thee. And here we end our reading on the Sing Aloud in Jesus' name selection of hymns, some of them lesser known, and this by James Grant, born 1785. Hymns are a valuable part of our Christian worship, and if the heart is cold and dry, often we turn to the hymnal, sing a hymn, and find ourselves in a more prayerful or worshipful attitude, coming into God's house to join in the singing, the praise and worship of the congregation, the hymns of Zion stir the soul. In our church, we enjoy congregational singing with hymns and psalms and paraphrases that lift up the name of the Lord Jesus. They also stir up our souls. Now for our message today and our hymn from our choir, Joy to the World.
We turn now to our Bible passage on the message today of the Savior's birth, Luke chapter 2, verse 7. And she, that is Mary, brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger, because there was no room for them in the inn. And there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Saviour, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you, ye shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. And it came to pass, as the angels were gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds said one to another, Let us now go even unto Bethlehem, and see this thing which is come to pass, which the Lord hath made known unto us. And they came with haste, and found Mary and Joseph the babe lying in the manger. And when they had seen it, they made known abroad the saying, which told them concerning this child. Stay tuned now as we come to our message from our pulpit on the shepherd's preaching. And just as he fed the 5,000 in the miracle of taking a little lunch and distributing that food to those that vast multitude, there are countless thousands in the world today, and to them the Lord Jesus is the bread of life. He had to be born in Bethlehem, in the city of David. When we go to the bread lines of our cities, and I'll be going down to the UGM on Tuesday evening, Lord willing, and usually at this time of year, the, the line is as long as ever. And men and women will stand out in the street in the cold weather as they do in the summer, and they will line up for a little food. Praise God, I get the opportunity to present to them the bread of life, first of all. That's the way it works down there. If you want physical food, you have to firstly take in the spiritual food. And my friend, today the Lord Jesus was born in the city of David, the place, the house of bread, that he might feed your soul. Do you have that? Or do you have to admit my life's empty? My life is a shambles. I have no direction. I have no satisfaction. I have no purpose. You need the Savior today. Will you trust him? I'm just preaching like these shepherds. I'm taking a, cue, a leaf out of their book to tell you that he was born in the city of David deliberately by God's decree to be the bread of life for your soul. Isn't that amazing? What a Savior we have. What a gospel we have. Then also, as I look at the saying, and back now at verse 10, we're to preach his relationship with men. 
Uh, you notice in verse 10, the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. All people. Now, this is the wonder of the incarnation, that our Lord Jesus was made in the nature, the likeness of men. He came to be dwelling among men, and he took our very nature for that work. And then there is the wording of the angel saying, which shall be to all people. Now, we can look at that in a number of ways. Our Lord was sent to all people in the sense of being a Savior to all nations. It does not say Jews. He was not just a Savior for the Jews, a Savior for all people of all races, nationalities, colors, creeds. Praise God, the gospel church is an international church. It is a united church of all the sons of Adam who will put their trust in the second Adam. And if you hate the curse and the, the pain of the first Adam and put your trust in the Lord Jesus, the second Adam, then you are redeemed and you're saved and you are brought into this, this church. Now, in the original language, the word the people, uh, it's not all people, it's the people. The people. And I've got some news for you today. The Lord Jesus did not come into the world to save every single person that would ever be born. No. Because if he did, he would have failed. We have to recognize that the way to a lost eternity is the broad road, and many go in there at. Our Lord Jesus came into the world for the people. The people whom God ordained to eternal life. And for those people, our Lord Jesus lived and died and rose again. He was a particular Savior for a particular people. And he would redeem them by his own blood. Now, I have to ask you, are you one of his people? I would fail you today, according to the message of these shepherds, if I was to say from this pulpit that because Jesus was born in the likeness of human nature, all men, all women will be saved and go to heaven. Heaven is not a certainty for all men. God has a people, a particular people. They become known in the Bible as the elect. Let me read to you Matthew 24, 31. He shall send his angels with a great sound of a trumpet, and they shall gather together his elect from the four winds. Who are these elect? They are the people for whom he was born, for whom he died and rose again. And when the world wraps up, those same people will be gathered in. And I have to ask you, are you one of his people today? Our Lord was sent to those who will hear and believe. How often our Lord Jesus said, if you have ears to hear, let him hear. If you have no ears to hear, if you have no desire to hear, if you have no heart to hear, if your heart is cold and set against God, against his Son, you're not saved. You're lost. But if you will open your heart, believe, and receive him.
The Lord Jesus was sent for his church, the church of the Father. They are the bride. They are the redeemed who are washed and made white in the blood of the Lamb, and they will be brought home. And the Lord Jesus will, through his life and death, present to the Father a perfect church, glorious in holiness. I want to be a member of that church. You need to be a member of that church. You need to put your trust in him. Now, our Lord is therefore sent to the church universal. Now, let me clarify my terms here. I am not a universalist when it comes to the number of people that will ever be saved. But I believe in the church universal, which covers the whole world, various generations, the history of the world from the Garden of Eden to the end of the world. That's the church universal, a people of every tribe, nation, and tongue. I was reading Revelation 7, and I was looking at that number of the 144,000. And then at the end of that, it says, and a great multitude which no man could number. It brought me back to my conviction that numbers in the book of Revelation are all symbolic. You know, 12,000 out of each tribe, 12 times 12 is 144,000. I hope you did those times tables when you're in school. When I was in school, your, your times tables went up to 12. In my parents' day, they went up to 20. Today, I'm not sure how far the tables goes for, for children in school. But 12 times 12 is 144. And then the next verse says, and a great multitude which no man could number. That's the church of the Lord Jesus. It's not restricted to a limited number. All who believe, all who are in. Now, if you go back to verse 10 in our text here, this saying of the angel, the angel said unto them, first of all, fear not. There's the mark of God's people. They fear. Fear for their soul. They fear about eternity. The man who fears nothing is not a Christian. We know that Noah, he was saved by fear. He heeded the warning that judgment was coming, and he feared. God's people for whom Christ came into the world were a people filled with fear. They were also hopeless, helpless. That's why they needed a Savior. That's why Christ came. If there had been any other way to save men, the Lord Jesus would not have come into the world. And you've got to come to that conclusion today that this is my only hope. Your only hope of heaven is the Lord. They are his believing people. They believe. These shepherds believed. Oh, boy, did they ever believe. And you can see their faith in action as they return and as they begin to preach. It was their faith in this child, their Savior, that made them preachers. They couldn't be silent. They couldn't be silent. And let me tell you, nobody had to give them a book how to preach. They had a message, and they were determined that they would preach it. This is how we're to preach to you today. What are your fears? I don't know how men face life without a Savior. When you see the funeral car go by and realize one day that will be me on my way to the cemetery, life is short, soon be over. You need a Savior. What is your hope? 
How are you going to face the great enemy of death? Jesus came to be the way, the truth, and the life. And today are you exercising that faith? For by grace are ye saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. And you accept the gift by faith. He is related by human nature. The Lord Jesus was sent into a, a world in true human nature because he came to redeem. That's why he took our nature. And these shepherds preached about the child. He's related to his people by covenant, by blood. And of course, we are eternally united to him by the power of the gospel. If you're a believer in the gospel, you'll never be lost. But I wonder today, will you become a preacher of this good news? To preach the saying that a child is born. Will you preach these glad tidings? That's what will make this a real Christmas in 2010. A real remembering, a real honoring of the Lord Jesus. Now these shepherds were so excited and they were so thrilled that they couldn't be silent. They had passion. And you know, as you read the preaching books, that's something that every preacher needs is passion. If you came to church and all I did was to take a manuscript and begin to read it word by word, line by line, and my eyes were fixed on some kind of manuscript, you would say, boy, our preachers are kind of dead. You see, when you've got the fire of the gospel in your soul, you don't read it from a manuscript. Sometimes we need those pointers to remind us, step one, two, three, and so on, as we go through a sermon, that we don't get lost and go everywhere preaching the word, but that we have the passion of the Lord Jesus. And there's one thing that I want to make sure before you leave today, that I believe this gospel that I'm sent to preach. There was a real Savior born. He really lived and he really went to the cross, and he really poured out his blood, and he really offers redemption to all who will trust in him. It's true, my friend. And if you had stood before these shepherds that day and said, it can't be true, they would have preached it to you. They would say, you're the fool. You're the unbeliever. You're the atheist. You're the Christ rejecter. You're the one that will lose your soul because this is true. Now, in verse 20, you'll notice the shepherds were filled with joy. They were filled with joy. There was no joy like it. And the shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen as it was told unto them. Let me tell you, these days of witnessing for the Lord Jesus are our best days. These opportunities to make him known are our most exciting days. That's the wonder of being a preacher of the glad tidings that a Savior has come into the world. If you're telling me today, preacher, I feel down, I'm depressed, I'm downcast, I'll challenge you, go out this week and every day tell one person, about the Savior. Just tell one person. 
You might have to lift the phone. You might have to go knocking on somebody's door. You might have to go out of your way. But just every day tell somebody about the good news that the Savior has come and what he's done for your soul. Let me tell you, you'll find the joy. You will have a song in your heart that will be a thrill that nothing else can give you. Because it's true, it's real, and it fills the heart with gladness. And so my prayer is that this Christmas we will be like these shepherds. Isn't it amazing how the Lord took shepherds to be preachers? He didn't take the philosophers and the wise men or convert rabbis at this juncture. He did that later, but not at this juncture. He took shepherds. And God can take you and make you a living witness to the power of the gospel. Thank you for joining with us today, and I trust the Lord has blessed your soul, encouraged your heart.